The Old Pilot's Plain Tales The Mike Wildman Story Part 3 This is the concluding part of my interview with Mike Wildman, an amputee pilot who's had a fascinating career in aviation. The first part covered Mike's life in the Royal Air Force, and the second concerned his life-changing decision to have part of his left leg removed and his fight to lead the world's first disabled formation display team. In this final section, Mike tells us about creating Team Phoenix Air and flying the stunning Yak-50. When I knew that my leg was in a pretty bad way, the writing was on the wall regarding whether I'd be able to continue flying or not. And so um, I went and got myself qualifications uh, initially as a flying instructor and then teaching something called MPL, which is the multi, uh, multi-pilot course. For, you did this off your own bat? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it was a company called, uh, it was called CTC in those days, that's now called L3 Harris. But uh, yeah, I went and paid for all my qualifications, built up my experience, became a type rating instructor on the A320, right. and then eventually a type rating examiner. And I've been doing that for about 10 years now. Cool. So that became a kind of a second career, uh, which I could, I could revert back to after my, my amputation. But of course that all stopped as well. So I had, a, I had a year on the ground, basically where there was not a lot to do. So as you do, you get thinking, I think, and I'd always wanted to take Barter's Bus Company to another level. It was all to do with availability of airplanes, money, and it had all kind of stopped. So I spent that year trying to planning and think, how, how could we take this thing further? Talked back to the Barter Foundation again, and they were prepared to forward us some money uh, for training, and got in touch with a friend of mine called Jez Hopkinson, who leads the Yakovlev's Displays team here at uh, How did you Hensford. know him? Well, one thing I didn't tell you is uh, when I had the crash the first time, I ended up managing an air display team with a couple of mates 20 <laughs> years ago. Uh, and we knew him through the air display circuit. So there was that. I don't know if you've heard of a company called Ultimate High. I, I heard it. Yeah, yes, they, but... they do uh, corporate air combat experiences and that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, myself and two friends uh, set up Ultimate High 20 oh, right. years ago. I'm, I'm not involved with it anymore. So, so I, I'd had various connections and so Jez was an old friend through that and I got in touch with them because these were the obvious aeroplanes to fly. The problem with being an amputee is the tow brakes on an aeroplane are very, um, uh, are usually you have to move your foot forward to do it and Ooh. as you can imagine that's not something that's possible for an not amputee. Unless you've got your heel up there and that's really going to be well, near, near yeah, impossible. So um, we were looking for an aircraft that, that had adapted brakes and these Yakovlevs have got pneumatic brakes on the control column. So you use the rudders in the normal way, which you can with a flat leg, but the brakes are used on the control column. So I got in touch with Jez to talk to him about Yaks. And he said, look, I've got eight aeroplanes here. And we're not using them all at the same time. Why don't you just you know, rent a couple off me? And that meant that all the problems with maintenance, insurance, aircraft ownership, uh, sponsorship, funding, kind of went away. Because we all and we had modifications, to do. And modifications, which would normally be a great expense. Huge. So, and what it meant is that you know, the money we had to front up with was very, very small compared to if we'd had to, to, to get that whole thing going ourselves. And so we went back to the Barter Foundation. They fronted up you know, tens of thousands of pounds to pay for our initial training. Wow. And that was in April of this year. Um, we, first of all, we had to convert onto the airplanes. And this is myself and Alan this time was as a two ship. Barry, unfortunately, wouldn't have been able to get in and out of the airplanes. So uh, okay. um, that was a shame. 
We started in April, we converted onto the aeroplane, then we did uh, our aerobatics rankings on it, and then we started doing close formation and then building up a 10-minute air display, which is um, what we've done. It's got about 18 manoeuvres in it and crosses and hearts and all sorts of things. I was going to say, this is going to be quite different from the work you were doing in the uh, Pipers. Yeah, and Pipers was, was very close formation. I mean, we were overlapping wings sometimes and the guys were very good, but that's the only way you could make it dramatic was to be flying really close. And that was just a case of doing dumbbells and things, um, changing from line of stern into echelon and Vic. Um, but then, yeah, it was limited with a kind of a fleur de lis break at the end. This is a complete, we're doing kind of gentleman's aerobatics, so it's loops, uh, clover leaves, barrel rolls, that sort of stuff, in close formation, both in uh, echelon and, and line of stern. But these are large looping man manoeuvres and they are down to 300 feet which is oh, wow. uh, pretty serious. So we, we, the first part of the, of the display, the first four or five minutes is doing those. Uh, and then we break off, we do passes, we do hearts, we do breaks, we do uh, rollovers, we do you know, all, this, all the normal stuff you'd see at a mm. regular air show down to 300 feet. So it's a, it's a proper grown up air display. And it has to be done to exactly the same level as everybody else because to get our DA, we have to, uh, to perform to exactly the same level. A DA is the display authorization granted by the Civil Aviation Authority that allows Mike to go into an air show and perform. And the training that Jez has put us through um, is exactly the same as his regular pilots. And indeed, the deal is that, um, I'm only living an hour down the road, is that Al and I can then uh, slip into the full air display team if we're required. Wow. What sort of hurdles have you had to jump with regards to authorizations from the CAA and the like? Initially, they were, they were uh, in Bard's bus company times, they were, they were very interested in it. And we had, uh, we had a lot of oversight from the CAA. Uh, but once that had been done and we'd proved our mettle as far as uh, um, having our DAs, and, and then we produced a number of safe shows, nothing more. Uh, we have to get our, our, you know, the next DAs done um, uh, as and when, but they've just left us to it. Brilliant. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about the aircraft? Yeah, aeroplanes are fantastic. This is Yak-52, not as old-fashioned as it looks. These aircraft are mostly 1970s vintage. Okay. Um, and these are basic Russian military lead-in trainers. So they've got, uh, it's got a 400 horsepower, nine-cylinder radial engine. Very, very strong, robust. Uh, unusually, a lot of the controls, the undercarriage starting is all using pneumatics. So okay. it uses air to start, uh, air for the undercarriage, uh, air for bits and bobs. It's mostly uh, metal apart from fabric on some of the surfaces. Very, very military. These have been converted inside because a lot of the original aeroplanes have got all the stuff in Cyrillic. Um, <laughs> we still fly in with kilometers an hour, but most of the Cyrillic stuff has now been changed uh, and, and taken off a lot of weight. So we've got proper glass cockpit and stuff in there, but it's, uh, it's still a very, very military feel to the aeroplane. Um, fun uh, to fly? So lots of fun to fly. Brilliant. Really great fun to fly. Easy to land, um, nice wide undercarriage, and then pneumatic brakes for us. So um, a great aeroplane. Yeah, really, really nice. The, um, the organisation here that own these, they're available for anyone to come and uh, get some flying and Yes, training. they are. They right? do flying conversion. They do uh, aerobatic courses. So they're here all the time. Uh, their main their meet and drink is to go and do air displays uh, around the world. And they fly a six-ship air display. The big area now for uh, air display work is both China and uh, India and it's not unusual for them to display to a million people on the ground. 
um, wow. and that will they'll go out and they'll do um, three to four weeks in, in each place shipping the aircraft out in containers and that's uh, and, and that's much more lucrative these airplanes burn about uh, 120 liters an hour when you're doing shows which about two pounds a liter you can you know, do the mass just in fuel alone you're talking about 250 pounds an hour so two of you in formation it's 500 you know six of you that's 1500 quid just for the fuel for an hour so it starts to get expensive so a little plug for them, perhaps. Whereabouts are we and what's the name of their company? Okay, well, we're here in Henstridge. They are the Yakovlevs. They are, with the blades, I'd say they're the top two um, civilian air displays uh, teams in the country. That's, and uh, they've been going for 20 years. I think Jez, the leader, has flown something like 2,000 air shows. Wow. Um, I think he's the most experienced Yak pilot in the world. So it's a, it's a remarkable story. Uh, he's got three of these Yak-52s, they use the 52 as the lead aircraft, and then they have Yak-50s as the, uh, the other aircraft in formation. The Yak-50 was a purely aerobatic competition aeroplane where they effectively took the front seat out and made it a tail dragger. Okay. Um, uh, had no flaps on the 50 version as well. And so that was a much more sporty uh, aeroplane, and we use those as kind of the chase aeroplanes. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. You've got a, another young lady working with you. Well, Cheryl, um, Cheryl's uh, remarkable. She's another flying scholarship for the disabled scholar, and um, she's uh, completing her PPL training at the moment. But our aim is uh, to get her involved. She comes down here and flies with us, but our aim is to get her involved uh, as soon as we can to get her as a uh, third member of the team as soon as we can take her through the, uh, the system. Brilliant. And she, uh, yeah, she's quite an inspirational character herself. She's uh, done flying training, wing walking. Uh, she has a, uh, a, a kind of a, uh, a spinal spasticity problem, so she walks with her cane, but she's great, and, and uh, we'd very much like to, to get her doing more flying as soon as we can. Well, actually, that would be, uh, yeah, that would just tick all the boxes, wouldn't Absolutely it? That would right. be fantastic. Yeah, indeed. Uh, looking ahead, if you uh, you know, complete your training over the winter, yep. and uh, for that, of course, you're going to need a lot of sponsorship. Indeed. Um, so, you know, that's an angle we, we need to talk about. Mm. But um, what's next year got for you, if, assuming it all works, all well, comes right? Um, a number of air displays have already booked us. We've been at uh, Duxford. Uh, the, the International Air Institute at Riyadh is the world's largest military air show and they've booked us um, I think on the Friday of their weekend. We've been promised uh, Guernsey Air Show as well so we'll be there. Um, obviously people aren't going to, to book you till you definitely know you're going to be there. So, uh, But we, we're looking forward to doing 10 to 15 shows next year. Well, that would be great. Now, there is a rumour that you might be able to get to the Invictus Games opening. Now, I understand there are problems there overflying the site because of the fact that it's a city, but hopefully you'll get there in some form or manner. Some form or other, uh, and also the next year is in Dusseldorf, which looks like an op a larger site, so we're hoping to be at Dusseldorf next year, but uh, we're talking to their organising committee, and at some stage, even if we uh, just turn up to the show and they show our video and things, well, we, we'd, we're going to be there in some form. Oh no, that, that would be fantastic. Uh, what we're actually looking forward to do is see if maybe at the opening of the games we could do a straight and level fly pass straight over the stadium or something like that, just so mm. we, weren't, uh, we weren't displaying, but at least we'd be there. So um, the only thing that really is holding you back is uh, sponsorship, and like most uh, air display teams, I'm sure, you're always on the lookout for someone who uh, wants to take on, and, and I can't imagine uh, a more exciting and valuable addition to aviation than to have a fully capable uh, disabled team 
working because it's just it's just a wonderful and heartwarming thing to do. Yeah, well, absolutely. And and you know, the heartwarming side, apart from it, you know, we want to prove the whole idea of this thing is to prove that disabled people are just as capable. We just look a little bit different. Uh, and certainly to be able to, to, to perform to this level, um, there is no way that we can be given any sort of uh, easy ride or because we're doing exactly the same thing to the same levels. And I want people to be able to look at us, both able-bodied and disabled, and think, Christ, if they can do that, well, I can do anything, you know? And Absolutely. that's that's the idea. The other side of it is to be able to, to go and talk to uh, corporates, to anybody who will listen to us about disability, inclusivity, diversity, and opportunities for uh, disabled people and championing those. We also want to champion STEM, advocating science um, technology, engineering and maths to the next generations, particularly to, to um, female students because there's a, a great lack of those. And so again, we want to encourage able-bodied and disabled-bodied children to just get involved with uh, you know, engineering, all those kind of uh, more challenging possible roles because there's such a requirement for it, both in aviation and through the whole technology sector. Uh, and, and that's one of the things we do. And so, for example, when we would go to Guernsey, we go the day before, we go and um, give talks to schools, we meet the public, and we just like to provide a very positive face of, of disability rather than uh, a negative one. And that's why the team's also been called Amputee Aerobatics. I didn't want to make it Disabled Aerobatics because disabled, I think disability has a negative context to it. Yeah, There's it nothing does, positive yes. about the phrase, is there? Yeah. Whereas amputee, but uh, I know amputee uh, is a bit more dynamic and it's Ooh. showing that's something positive, not something negative. Yeah, no, I th think you're quite right. Yeah. Mm. So if there's someone out there listening who uh, is, uh, you know, their imagination has been sparked by hearing you talk uh, in such a wonderful way about your life and about how you're overcoming uh, what has been a massive change for you. Mm. Um, how would they get in touch with you? And you know, wh what are you going to be able to provide for them perhaps? Okay, well, you can get in touch via our website, which is teamphoenixair.com or mike at teamphoenixair.com will get them to me. Um, if they go onto our website, you'll find uh, contact details and telephone numbers. To call me on the telephone, um, plus four four for the UK, um, 7973-762-301. I think we could offer, uh, certainly a corporate uh, company, uh, a great canvas uh, to, to both promote their brand and be aligned with an organisation which is completely unique uh, and provides many different virtues, including indomitable spirit, hard work, never say die attitude, which can illustrate exactly what disabled people can do and uh, act as a, as a beacon for companies going forward. Which is a, a fantastic thing for any company, regardless of their background and, and what they're involved in. Uh, I can imagine you'd be great at uh, giving inspirational talks. And, uh, and I hope that there is someone out there listening who will be equally inspired as I have been to um, you know, get in touch with you, uh, help you through uh, this period now when you need to a lot of expense in the training yeah. and uh, then take, reap the benefits of having you display. But I mean, I think you could probably uh, end up doing things um, for private individuals, uh, perhaps. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean who, who wouldn't want to uh, 
uh, a pair of uh, aerobatic aircraft displaying at their wedding or something. Exactly, we can do private air shows, we can do weddings, um, we can do private shows for sponsors, uh, for corporate companies. Um, there are many, many, um, Formula One, there are so many uh, opportunities. Oh, absolutely, yes. Well, it sounds like a, a very exciting life ahead for you, Mike, and I, I wish you well. Thanks very much indeed for talking to us today. It's been really inspiring. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Catching up with you uh, again after oh, quite a few years now, absolutely brilliant. Uh, and uh, really appreciate you giving us your time. Well, Nick, it's lovely to see you again. Thank you very much for, for coming here and uh, taking the time to interview me. And uh, thank you very much. Plane Tales is a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show. You can find out all about that podcast at airlinepilotguy.com. And if you're already listening to this, you probably know that Plane Tales can be listened to as a separate podcast. And if you're doing that, then how about popping across to Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice and leaving us a review? We'd be very grateful. Thanks for listening.